Welcome back to another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara, and with me as always is Mr. Lupe Ramirez, and we are on episode 17, or part two of the win and loss predictions. How do you feel your first picks went uh, on Monday? I was very happy with how my picks went on Monday, and uh, I'm really excited about this list of five teams because two out of the five I actually have going undefeated. Oh, you're already starting stuff this early, huh? Making it tough. <laughs> All right, so you know we we went uh, we went on quite a bit uh, last episode. I think we were somewhere over an hour plus. Uh, so this time around, we're gonna kind of try to speed it up a little bit, you know, uh, try to get it through a little bit faster because, you know, we try not to go over an hour, but sometimes when you're uh, having fun with something, you kind of tend to lose track of time. But uh, this time we're going to try to make it a little bit better for you guys. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's get into our next team, which is uh, Combs, who finished uh, four and six uh, last season. What were some of the stats that you got for them? Um, Well, going back to their COVID season, they went three and three, and in their region play, they went two and one. Their wins came against teams like Tempe, Thunderbird, and Arcadia. Their main losses came against Buena, Gilbert, and Post and Butte, who beat them 44 to 14. Um, going back to last year, where they went four and six, they went one and three in the now defunct 4A Black Canyon region, and their wins came against Yunker, 36 to six, West Point, 48 to 13, Australia Foothills, 54 to seven, and Tempe. 55 to 6. Now, those big losses came against some pretty big name teams Mesquite, Sholo, Post and Butte, and they lost to Arcadia in overtime 27 to 21. And for Combs, uh, they're going to be having a, a new head coach in Levi uh, Hoagland. Um, and uh, some of the uh, returning players that I'll be uh, keeping my eye on is uh, quarterback uh, Tanner Hale, Connor Wiles, uh, running back Hunter Clare. Amon Craig and uh, Chase uh, Thebold, who's an outstanding linebacker. So uh, let, let's jump right into uh, the first week of their season as they'll be hosting uh, St. Mary's. Uh, St. Mary's finished uh, eight and four last season, losing to Casa Grande in a, in a heartbreaker, uh, thirty-one to twenty-nine in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, what's your prediction for that one? Um, on that one, I have St. Mary's giving it to them. Um, I feel like you said they came out of last year's playoffs on a heartbreaker and they'll have a huge chip on their shoulder coming in to face the coyotes i as well uh have saint mary's uh taking that one i think just uh their uh playoff uh capabilities uh they'll uh definitely uh try to take care of business over combs uh but let's continue on uh into week two they'll be uh at coolidge and it's the first matchup between both teams since 2015 and uh, as we know, uh, Coolidge uh, finished six and four last season. How do you see that one faring? That one, I have the Bears edging out the Coyotes and ultimately taking that winning record against Combs to maybe five and one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the Bears are four and one all time against Combs. Yeah. But uh, I as well uh, have the Bears uh, taking that one. I just think that uh, they're going to have a little bit more of a better attack on offense. And I don't know uh, how. Uh, Combs will fare against uh, Coolidge's defense because they got some players coming back that are, you know, going to be scary to watch this year. But moving on, we in week three, they take on Apache Junction, uh, hosting them at home. And uh, Apache Junction actually beat Combs last year, 45 to 34. And Apache Junction 7-0 all-time against Combs. So I have uh, Apache Junction taking that one. Like I said, another uh, playoff team that's very good. And I don't know if Combs will be able to match uh, their intensity. Yeah, I agree with you. This is no different from Monday. I have to say that Apache Junction walks out of this one a win or two. In week four, they're going to be hosting Bradshaw Mountain. It's going to be the uh, first matchup since 2017. And uh, Bradshaw Mountain uh, actually finished uh, 7-4. And another playoff team, uh, they lost to Prescott in the second round. So, uh, once again, I have um, Bradshaw Mountain uh, beating Combs. And for one of the same reasons, a very good playoff team. And I don't see uh, Combs being able to prevail uh, this week. Yeah, I, I, I see it that way, too. Combs will have the second tough matchup in two weeks and uh it's going to be really hard for them to overcome that bradshaw mountain defense they'll have a chance to overcome that in the next week right 
I believe so. Uh, in week five, uh, they're going to be taking on uh, Maricopa, and this will be the uh, first time that these two schools play each other. Uh, Maricopa finished uh, two and eight, and I actually will give it to Combs that I think that they'll pull this one out this week. Yeah, I, I do too. I don't have any doubts that they'll have any trouble against the Maricopa Rams. This being their first time playing each other, um, it gives them a lot more of a reason to try to prove to them that they're bigger that they're better than the bigger school in a sense, because as we know, Maricopa is a population that's booming right now. And not many people are fleeing towards that, you know, Apache Junction Combs area right now. But I, you know, I could be eating my words pretty soon because that's just how this, you know, County's growing. But I I do see Combs taking that game. All right. We'll see on that one in uh, game six. Uh, they're going to be taking on Ben Franklin. Uh, ben Franklin beat them last year, 31 to 14. Do you think uh, that will happen again this year? No, I don't. I actually think that Combs will pull it together. Um, like you said on Monday, Ben Franklin was the bully for 3A. The difference here is Combs isn't 3A. Um, they're going to give them a really warm welcome into the 4A play and possibly have their number from the get-go. And see, I have to beg to differ. I think that uh, that Ben Franklin is going to have the edge uh, just because of the experience that they have coming back. Again, another playoff team, uh, even though they're not probably up on the, uh, the top 10 of teams uh, in 4A, um, but uh, they do a very good job at taking care of business when they need to, and I think that they do that against uh, Combs. But moving into uh, Week 7, uh, they're going to be visiting Marcos Deniza. Uh, this will be the start of their region games. And it's going to be the first time uh, that these two schools uh, play each other. So what, what's your predictions on that one? I have the Coyotes overthrowing the Padres and taking the win on this one. I definitely agree with you. Even though uh, Marcos Deniza uh, finished four and six, all four of their wins came against teams with losing records. So I think that uh, Combs is uh, going to be a team right there around 500. And so I think that they could definitely uh, knock off Marcos Deniza. Yeah, I agree. In week eight, uh, they'll be visiting Seton Catholic, and it's the first matchup since 2019, and Combs has not won against Seton Catholic ever in their school history. But do you have that changing, or is it going to go 0-10 all time? No, I see that changing this year. Combs is going to pull it out to beat the Sentinels this year and actually have a little notch in their win column this year. I definitely agree with you. Uh, Seton Catholic finished 2-9 and nine last season, and they just haven't been uh, trending in the right direction. You know, each year it's been, you know, around three wins for them. So I definitely uh, have Combs uh, pulling this one out. Uh, week 9, uh, they're going to be hosting Arizona College Prep. Another uh, first uh, uh, games between the two schools, uh, Arizona College Prep finished 5-5 five and five, uh, last season, but they are moving up from 3A. So how is that one going to fare for you? For me, I have the AZ College Prep Knights actually overthrowing the Combs Coyotes in this one and actually being able to challenge the Coyotes and give them a good run for their money. It's not going to be a close one by any means, but I think that AZ College Prep actually edges out Combs on this one. And you said it's going to be close or it's not going to be close? It's going to be close. Okay, yeah, I definitely agree it's going to be close. Uh, but I'm going to give the edge to Combs. Uh, I think that they'll have enough uh, to finally have a team that, you know, even though they're coming from 3A can match, you know, the, they're about the same level, you know. And I think that this is going to be a proving point, especially being that it's a, a region game. And so I have uh, the Coyotes uh, taking that one. But to wrap up the season, uh, they will be playing at Arcadia. Uh, Arcadia won last year 27-21 uh, to 21 in a thrilling fashion in overtime. So a walk-off touchdown right there. Um, but uh, Combs is 1-1 one one all-time versus them. Uh, what What is your predictions for the last week? For the last week, I actually have Combs taking the win over Arcadia. Um, It's actually one of the games I have listed as their must-wins. They have to beat Arcadia, they have to beat Marcos Deniza, and they have to beat Maricopa. By beating the young team that beat them last year in overtime, it could actually cause Combs to actually have a you know good out going to their season and have some momentum moving into their 
season next year as well. No, I definitely agree uh, that they'll uh, they'll take care of business against Arcadia. It's going to be a tough one, though. Uh, definitely uh, could see it as a possible um, game to uh, win the region uh, because uh, all these teams, you know, the Marcos, Denise, uh, Seton Catholic, uh, AZ College Prep, and Arcadia are all in the same region as uh, Combs. Uh, so I think that if it comes down to this, this could be – could be your game to be uh, crowned region champs. So it's going to be a big game. And like you said, uh, definitely something that Combs can carry uh, on into uh, the following season. So uh, with that being said, uh, my final record for them was five and five. What did you have them sitting at? I had them at five and five too. Well, you know, another one we got the same. Pretty funny to see there. But, you know, like you said, man, it's uh, it's been fun to see where things land. And, you know, let's dive in uh, to our next team, uh, which are the Coolidge Bears. Oh, look, he has to get all, see see what y'all been doing to him? Been giving him a hard time, you know, calling him out about his power rankings. And you know what? You might have to call him out here today as well, too. But we'll see what, what you guys think about uh, Loopy's uh, predictions here with Coolidge. So Coolidge, uh, they uh, got uh, Coach Roger Shanks uh, coming back for his fourth season, uh, leading the Bears. And uh, during three seasons, he's 17 and 11. Uh, they finished 6-4 uh, and four last year and are currently riding a three-game w- winning streak uh, some of their uh, big names coming back, uh, you know, to fill some big spots are um, senior running back uh, Belcom Nagambe, uh, cornerback uh, Jalil uh, Bishop, wide receiver uh, Wanya Brookshire, tight end uh, Jordan Johnson. And then they got a couple of uh, other options, uh, you know, behind Belcom to kind of plug in here. So I put Maurice Glass and uh, Javante Wall, even though Javante more plays on defense uh those are uh, another couple options at running back and uh, as well as uh as we stated before their transfer in Gianni uh, Mascalino again gonna have to see how many games he might have to sit out uh for the transfer uh but uh what, what do you have uh about Coolidge all right let's go back into their COVID season Coolidge went three and four they went two and two in the 3A Central Region. Their wins came against Florence, who they beat 47 to 43. The ALA Ironwood Warriors, who they shut out 56 to zero, and they beat Eastmark that year 33 to seven. Their tough losses came to the eventual 2A state champion Santa Cruz, who beat them 42 to 18. They lost to ALA Gilbert North 35 to six, Safford 24 to 21, and Gilbert Christian 35 to six. If you move into what they did last year, last year they went again 6-4 and four and 3-1 and one in the 3A Central region. They opened up big against Coronado, shutting them out 49-0, and then eventually beating teams like Phoenix Christian, who ended up going to the playoffs instead of Coolidge, and they beat Santa Cruz 13-6, Florence 27-17, and ultimately decimating the Santan Foothills Sabercats 60-6. Their tough losses last year came from Ben Franklin, Eastmark, Micah Mountain, and Yuma Catholic. And when they played against Eastmark, that was their homecoming game. And we were both at that game as well. And uh, what are some thoughts on the Bears that you can relay from last season onto this year? Uh, one of the biggest ones that caught my eye is they only beat one team with the winning record last year. So could that be uh, just the teams that they were dealt or was that, you know, just them not playing at the level that they were expected to play? You know, uh, but either way, I thought it was a successful season uh, for the Bears. That's really the only stat that really caught my eye is that none of their wins uh, came against or, you know, that only one win came against teams with the winning record. So but let's dive right into uh, the first week of their season. They're going to be opening up at Sabino against uh, a tough 3A uh, football team who uh, made the playoffs last year, lost to uh, ALA Gilbert North uh, 38 to 7. But, you know, they lost about 18 seniors. So what is your thoughts on this game? I know we were going back and forth for a long time about it. So what do you think? All right. I'm surprised that you actually wanted to hear my thoughts first because I I automatically chose Coolidge over Sabino. Now, hang on. I know that you're, you're probably sitting there like, wait a minute. Like, how could you pick Coolidge over Sabino? But wait a minute. You hear that? That's what I call my receipt book. Let's go back into my receipt book and look at Sabino. These are some of the players that they lost from last year. Isaiah Aguirre, who was their quarterback and cornerback. Losing nearly 20 seniors could alter their trajectory in this upcoming season. I didn't list them all because it was a long list. 
But that's a long list of players to have to overcome to, to continue to be successful. Who will have to step up in Sabino to, for them to be successful? Cameron Hackworth, who is the highest, who has the highest QB rating on the Sabercats, had nine rushing touchdowns, 26 passing touchdowns, and is their rushing leader with 67 yards per game. Mason Cade, who, is, who is, will probably be their eventual quarterback, also plays linebacker, will have to snap in his junior year Sabino to beat Coolidge. And now that's something that's really tough to say that could happen in the first game. And the way that Coolidge has been, you know, sticking around, sticking around and sticking together during the seven on seven season, I think that gives Coolidge the edge over Sabino. Okay, I'm gonna disagree with you on that one. I thought so. Yeah, you know, that's why I think I let you go first. No, uh you you brought up a couple of big names. So uh Cameron Hackworth was only a sophomore. You you read those numbers, right? Over two thousand passing yards. I believe over 30 touchdowns total. Almost, yeah. Okay. He was a sophomore last year. The other name you mentioned, Mason Cade, another young stud. He also plays linebacker, 61 tackles, 11 and a half sacks. But let's not uh, forget uh, one of uh, Cameron's favorite targets, uh, Savon uh, Berryhill. Even though his stats were a little below, they did lose a couple of uh, uh, seniors at uh, the wide receiver position, but 25 catches, 285 yards, and three touchdowns. And I think he was ranked fourth on their uh, on their receiving core. But I think that they have uh, a lot coming back on offense that they're going to be hard to stop. It's going to be about if Coolidge can uh, hold Cameron. Cameron's a scrambler, but he also has an arm. It's going to be about can they hold uh, keep him in the pocket and uh, is Coolidge's secondary, which I always speak highly of. That I really like the, uh, their core back there. Uh, but are they going to be able to rise up to the challenge and keep those uh, receivers in front of them the whole game? My answer is I don't think so, just because I know it, uh, with first opening games comes a lot of sloppiness. I don't expect it to be a high-scoring game or a big uh, win margin for uh, Sabino. This one I kind of thought about for a long time, and I just got to give the edge to Sabino just by a fraction. And so with that, I know it's not going to be the one you wanted to hear, but that's what I had, and I have Coolidge going 0-1. No, it's fun to disagree, but uh, let's let's go into their second week. Who do they have their second week? Uh, so week two, they're going to be taking on Tempe. Tempe finished 0-8 last season. They're on a 16-game losing streak, so... I mean, I don't know how much you want to really talk about Tempe, but I have Coolidge uh, winning that one and winning it big. Yeah, there's nothing, not trying to hate buffs, but there's nothing really good to say about the Buffaloes right now. They're having a really rough stretch. Coolidge is going to enjoy that. They're, they're going to take full advantage of it, I promise. And, and, uh, and with me... You know, having them losing to Sabino, I know in week two they're gonna come and they're gonna come with full force. You know, so either they're gonna come really high on your end and you know coming into week two and just that win against Tempe is gonna elevate it, or you know, like I said, they if they come off of a loss, they're gonna want to uh, put the smack down on Tempe, and I see them doing that. But moving on to uh, week three against Santa Cruz, so uh, Coolidge uh, beat uh, Santa Cruz last year, thirteen to six. Very uh, low-scoring game, but a very good uh, game to watch, you know, uh, especially defensively. There was a lot of turnovers that game. Mm -hmm. uh, but who do you have it uh, going for this year? Based off of everything that's been going on offseason and the new adjustments that the Dust Devils will have to make, I am fully behind the Bears this game. I don't see any other options where it will be um, – Anywhere like where it looks like Santa Cruz will have it, I think that Coolidge will be firmly in control of this game from start to finish. Yeah, I just think it's the uh, youth of Santa Cruz that just probably will cost them in the end. Uh, I do have Coolidge winning that one as well. Uh, but, you know, I think Santa Cruz is going to be a team that over the time, uh, we'll, we'll get to them, uh, you know, on Friday. But uh, over time, you're going to see them constantly improve. And it might be good that Coolidge is playing them at the beginning of the season and not at the end, uh, kind of like they did last year, where it turned out to be a very good game. So uh, moving on to uh, week four, um, as we spoke uh, just uh, a few minutes ago, uh, they'll be taking on Combs. Uh, we both had uh, Coolidge winning that one. Uh, so, you know, we won't uh, speak too much on that one since we just uh, it's fresh in our head. But we both have Coolidge winning there yep. now into uh, week five. Uh, they'll be hosting uh, Florence 
And as you guys know, uh, Coolidge beat Florence last year, 27 to 17, a little bit closer than what I initially had thought. You know, I thought uh, Coolidge would have won by a couple more touchdowns. But, you know, like I said, you you keep Florence around, they can definitely hang with the best of them. Do they do that this year, though? No, I don't have that happening. I have Coolidge. You know, this is going to be the game where they kind of take control of their region or they need to show their control of the region. If they can put out Florence by at least two or more touchdowns, that will at least get their next team in that region, who we'll talk on uh, in in a very short while, to uh, be prepared for Coolidge because, you know, they mean business. That's why I have them ranked so high. I have very high hopes for this team because I have very, str- I have a very strong belief that when, you know, when the season comes and we're, we're riding you're, through it. You're just a bandwagoner. Just admit it already. I'm not a bandwagoner. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, I, I, I definitely uh, see where you're coming from. And uh, I do have uh Coolidge beaten Florence as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's just, uh, Florence had lost a few players, like you said. We'll go into uh, their schedule here uh, soon, uh, but um, I just think that they're going to be missing a big component, and that was who they were expecting to have at quarterback. And you know, I spoke about that on our last episode. Uh, but you know, missing uh, somebody like Jet Scott is it—it's a very big blow to uh, your offense and and your plans uh, for the upcoming season. Uh, but uh, moving right along, uh, game six, uh, it's going to be at ALA Anthem South. Uh, we spoke about that on Monday. Uh, we have Coolidge winning and possibly winning big. Uh, so uh, we'll continue on uh, from that game. Uh, game seven, uh, they're going to be playing uh, Santan Foothills. As you have mentioned uh, before, uh, that Coolidge won that game 60 to six. Very big, uh, big loss for uh, Santan Foothills. And uh, that's actually four straight, uh, four Coolidge against Santan. Do you think they're going to make it five? Yes. I laughed when you said they were going to be playing ALA Anthem South and, you know, they were going to be putting a beating on them and they're going to be moving on. And I was like, they're just moving from one victim to another. I feel like Santan Foothills will be an easy win for the Bears again this season. No, I I definitely have to uh, agree. It should be an easy win, uh, but, you know, uh, Santan Foothills have surprised us before, uh, you know, especially last year uh, as the soonest that I remember. But, uh, you know, we both definitely agree that it's going to be a win for Coolidge. So now coming into game eight, it's going to be a very strong test for uh, Coolidge. Their second one of the season as they're going to be hosting uh, Thatcher for and it's going to be the first game between the two. As you know, uh, Thatcher lost to Snowflake in the quarterfinals, uh, 44 to 13. What do you predict the outcome is going to be this week? For this one, I got to pull out that receipt book one more time. So I have Coolidge beating Thatcher because the players that they're losing, and I know you're going to have quite a few too, but these are the key players that I feel like that are going to cause Coolidge to outplay the Thatcher Eagles. Slade Shoup, who was a wide receiver and defensive end, he was their receiving leader last year. Joshua Magnum, who was their running back, he was their rushing leader last year. Wyatt Larson, who was their quarterback and off uh, an outside linebacker, he's going to be fairly missed because he was their touchdown leader. Now, some players that will need to step up for them in order for them to succeed will be Brandon Napier, who is a wide receiver, also uh, plays QB a little bit. Aiden Bingham, who's a running back and outside linebacker. They had over 13 talented Eagles graduating last year, and I feel that that will be a speed bump for this upcoming season for Thatcher. Now, those are uh, very good facts and why... Uh, you know, it was tough to pick Coolidge to lose. Uh, I, I believe that they dropped this one uh, just due to the playoff experience of Thatcher. But this is not dating to them being in 3A. This is from them dating back to when they were winning championships in 2A and having the uh, great matchups against uh, Santa Cruz. Uh, but uh, it never seems to fail that Thatcher will always have people to plug in. And they seem like they get taller and they get bigger and, you know, they just kind of pretty much uh, pound the ball all game long, you know, uh, w- whether on the ground or through the air. And so uh, one of the reasons that I gave uh, Thatcher the edge is because I have Sabino uh, beating Coolidge. Thatcher beat Sabino 45 to 28 last season. So for that, I'm going to give the edge to Thatcher. But moving into uh, game nine, they will be visiting Eastmark. Eastmark beat them last year 31 to 18 and won the uh, 3A Central. This is one that's going to have very big implications 
uh, regarding the 3A uh, Central Region. In 3A, uh, if you win your region, you're an automatic bid for the playoffs. So I have no questions that's going to come down to uh, this game on who's going to be the 3A Central Region winners. But I'd like to hear what you uh, have to say first. It's going to come to no surprise that I am backing the Coolidge Bears. Now going back to Eastmark, they have some key seniors on the offensive and defensive line that will be out of the equation this year, but they have way too much returning talent to struggle. One thing that I see standing out in particular is the transfer that we are picking up exactly from Eastmark, Gianni Mascalino. The transfer will help dissect their flaws and help guide us through their play. Um, some of the players that I'm going to be looking out for whenever they come and visit is Austin Johnson, who's a wide receiver and cornerback. He's going to be a senior this year. Javian Celaya, who is a running back and linebacker. He's going to be a junior, so we get a couple more years out of that kid. Mac Belander, who's going to be the apparent quarterback for Eastmark. And Jordan Howard, who is on defense and plays a little bit of tight end as well. Um, they're one and one all time against Coolidge in the last year, being the first time that they beat them. I feel that with them ruining their homecoming, that Coolidge will come in with a little bit more fire and want to put out the fire that is the Eastmark Firebirds. No, I see where you're coming uh, from with that. And, you know, it's actually going to be a surprise that I picked uh, Coolidge to win. And I have them, you know, making that hopefully, you know, if they can finish off their last game, of course, being that it is a region game, I think that they uh, win the 3A Central. And uh, with uh, knocking off Eastmark, I think, like you said, even though um, Eastmark has the experience and has the depth, it's some about what Coolidge is bringing uh, to the table this year that I think they can knock off Eastmark. Yeah, 100 percent. And to wrap up their season, they're going to be going up against ALA Ironwood. We spoke on that one. Uh, Coolidge uh, won last year 14 to three. A very uh, close nail biter. Uh, they're 4-0 all time against ALA Ironwood. And um, I got them wrapping up the season with another win and uh, taking the 3A Central. Uh, what, what did you predict? I had them taking uh, the game over ALA Ironwood. Um, this was one of the teams that I had go undefeated. And I know that it's not going to be, uh, you know, really well respected among the populace, but Hey, this was what we did for fun. And yep. I, I have a really firm belief that even if they don't go undefeated, you know, if the chips fall in favor of Coolidge, like they definitely can uh, beat uh, Sabino and Thatcher, which are the two losses I had for them. You know, it's not to say that they're not going to have any chance against these teams. I just had to look at very uh, small uh, details as to who I would give the advantage to. And, you know, I definitely can see them uh, possibly going undefeated if they can, you know, rise to the level uh, of the Sabinos and Thatchers and Eastmarks too. And for me, I have them finishing eight and two on the year, but it's going to be a, a, a great season uh, for Coolidge. And we'll, we'll see uh, what Coach Shanks and uh, the Bears uh, do this year. So moving right along, uh, just going up the road over to uh, Florence High School as that's going to be our next team. So with Florence, uh, they finished uh, last year uh, four and six, but it's going to be having a new coach in uh, Jesse Hart, who uh, we uh, stated in uh, Monday's episode, coming uh, over from Combs and spent quite a few years over there with the Coyotes. So Florence uh, lost uh, quite a bit of uh, players uh, this past year. Tommy Carberry, Caleb Lewis, Isaac Sandoval, Victor Aguirre, Ryan King, and Javon Williams are uh, just a few that uh, you know I can name off the top of my head, as well as losing uh, quarterback uh, Jet Scott to Desert Ridge uh, as a transfer. But coming into this year, uh, some of my key uh, returning players are uh, Logan Stenson, who's going to uh, be taking over at quarterback, uh, Josh Jackson at running back, David Neal at wide receiver, uh, Wrangler Gilliams at D-tackle, and then, uh, of course, Cade Neal at the other uh, running back position. But uh, Florence will be opening up uh, against uh, Parker at Parker. Uh, Parker's uh, a 2-8 team who uh, finished 11-1 and last season, uh, losing to Morenci in the semifinals. How do you see uh, Florence uh, favoring against Parker? I actually have them dropping their first game against Parker. Nothing that I've seen from my research of, of what they did last year and compared to what the new coach has you know done against Parker in his past, I don't think that this will be any easy task for the Gophers to overcome in their first game. So that's why I had to give them an L on this one. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Uh, I have the edge going to uh, Parker. Uh, just solely, uh, they're a uh, they're a very uh, experienced two uh, A team, and I just think that uh, they're gonna. They were the number one seed last year in two A, and I think uh, they want to come and make a statement uh, in their first game in three A. And you know, it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a closer game than uh, what I initially had thought uh, once I started looking uh, over uh, Florence's roster. But you know, the edge go definitely goes to Parker. But moving on to uh, week two, uh, they're going to be uh, hosting uh, Paula Verde. Uh, Paula Verde didn't have a season last year. Uh, they moved down from 4A and uh, haven't had more than three wins since uh, 2013. It was a no-brainer. I was going to give the uh, edge to Florence. Um, you know, Paula Verde being not having a season last year and have not had an identity uh, for almost 10 years now. So, you know, I don't expect things to change overnight. No, and you you nailed it completely when you said they didn't have a season last year. It was a no-brainer to give this one to Florence. Um, Palo Verde is going to be coming into this season, you know, a little bit underhanded because, like you said, they didn't have a, a team last year. This year, they're they're moving into a really competitive three A conference where they're going to struggle. I feel their their first couple of seasons, and their this game against Florence is going to be no different. But this is going to be the game that Florence needs to get right back on track of winning. Almost oh, definitely. And then, you know, if we move into game three, uh, they're going to be playing uh, Veritas Prep. Uh, Florence beat them last year 42 to three. Uh, Veritas Prep, uh, though they finished uh, five and five on the season, I am, I'm going to give the uh, edge to uh, Florence to be able to uh, put it on them again this year. No, I do too. I have Veritas Prep dropping the ball against the Gophers. So, uh, Florence, we have them at two and one at the moment. Uh, going into a very uh, fun game, uh, they're going to be playing against uh, Vista Grande. Haven't played each other since 2012, and both teams are one and one against each other. Uh, but as we all know, uh, Vista Grande finished five and four last season. Uh, a very good game. I think it's going to be a very competitive game. Who do you have the edge going to? Oh, see, I was wanting you to tell me. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll go first. Then I'll go first. Uh, so I'm going to actually uh, give the edge to Vista Grande. Um, I think that they have uh, a few more key pieces on the offensive end that is going to help uh, drive the ball uh, against Florence. Uh, but I do expect it to uh, be about a one touchdown difference. It's going to be close. No, I, I agree with that, that it's going to be a close game. It's going to be one touchdown or less. But I actually have Florence edging out Vista Grande in this one. No disrespect to my Spartan fam, but... Listen to me. They're going to come off a victory from Palo Verde. If Palo Verde plays, then they're going to play against a team in Veritas Prep that they beat last year, you know, heavy handedly. And you're going to tell me that they're not going to have that swing of momentum as they're playing Vista Grande, a team that they haven't played in over a decade, that they're not going to come out swinging. No, I, I feel that the Gophers are going to continue this momentum and then they're going to take this matchup against the Spartans. Duly noted, buddy. Duly noted. Uh, but moving into uh, game five, uh, they're going to be at Coolidge. Uh, like we just stated, uh, Coolidge uh, beat Florence 27 to 17. Uh, we both picked uh, in favor of Coolidge to win that one uh, just due to uh, the experience uh, for Coolidge. Uh, but uh, let, let's keep on going and go into game six versus Chino Valley. Uh, first game against each other since 2014. And uh, Florence is 2-0 and against Chino Valley, who finished 3-7 last year. I think Florence goes 3-0 and against Chino Valley and gets back into the win column. Yep, and we're back on the same side again. I think that Florence will make easy work of the Chino Valley football team. I like it. I like it. Uh, game 7, uh, they're going to be uh, hosting Eastmark and uh, won their only matchup, which was last year. Uh, they won it against them, uh, forty-one to thirteen, and I feel that uh, as the same way with uh, as I felt against Coolidge, I think Eastmark has the edge, uh, just due to uh, the amount of returning players who play a vital role on that offense. But not only that, uh, they have so much depth on that team, and I see that as a big advantage for uh, uh, for uh, Eastmark. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly on this one. Everything you said was in my notes. I, I, I can't agree with you more. This is going to be a You've game. You've been cheating that, off me? No, 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 no <laughs> not this game. No. But, <laughs> but, yeah, no, this is a game that is meant for Eastmark to win. I know that 
we were I was talking about how good Florence is going to carry that momentum, but I'm sorry. That momentum stops when you play Coolidge, and it doesn't get any easier when you go and play a team like Eastmark. Um, but it might get a little bit easier in the next week. Oh, no, I definitely uh, think it will. Uh, game eight, they're going to be playing uh, Odyssey Prep, uh, first matchup since 2019. But Florence is 0-2 all-time against them, though. But I think Florence changes that. And, I mean, Odyssey Institute, uh, they're another team trying to find an identity, uh, was 1-9 last season, and they only scored uh, 85 points all of last year. And 45 of those points came from their one win. Mm. So they uh, over not, the remaining nine games, they scored 40 points. So I think uh, Florence is going to win that one decisively. What is your take? I had Florence winning that one too. I didn't have any reason to put Odyssey Institute over them. Like you said, they, they played before and then you know, they take in the last couple of games. But this is the year where the fortunes change for Florence. Oh, yeah. And I think it uh, actually continues into game nine. Uh, they're going to be at ALA Ironwood. We both uh, picked uh, Florence to win that game. And then just remember, you know, they uh, Florence beat them uh, by two touchdowns uh, last year, 35-21. to 21. So that will be uh, two in a row for Florence near the end of the season. And then it could possibly uh, be three in a row as they take on uh, Santan Foothills to close out the season, uh, which Florence uh, won the last matchup 24-0. What do you, is your prediction on that one? Because I'm going to take uh, Florence to win that one. Yeah, I agree. I have Florence winning out after their tough loss against Eastmark. Those next three games should be all theirs. Uh, so for uh, my final uh, record for Florence, I have them sitting at six and four, and you have them at I have them at seven and three. Oh snaps! So they're gonna be they're gonna have a really good year this year. I feel, and their must wins are gonna come against Palo Verde, Odyssey Institute. With a new look and a new leader, I feel like this will help push Florence over the edge this year and help get them to the 7-3 and three record and back into the playoffs where they're used to being. Yeah, and even me at 6-4, and four, uh, I think that uh, it, it might leave them in good position to kind of sneak in. And, you know, like we always say, it, uh, some, some of those uh, losses or wins that we have predicted can fall the other way. So... We'll see uh, what the Gophers uh, do this year. Uh, wish them the best of luck. And let's move into our next team, which is the uh, Maricopa Rams. All right. If you look back at the Maricopa Rams, let's go as far back as their COVID season. That COVID season, they went 2-6. and six. They played in the 5A East region. Now, now keep that in mind, okay? They went 0-4 in this region. Their wins came against Willow Canyon, who they beat 27-19, and Marana, who they beat 18-6. to six. Those six losses, well, here are a few of them. They lost to Canyon View, 17-12. Saguaro, who was the Open 8 champion from last year, 70-14. to 14. And Gilbert, 13-7. Now moving into what they did last year. Now last year, they played in the 5A Santan region. So now you know that they changed regions. And in that region, they went 0-5. They only had two wins. Those two wins came against the Tucson Badgers and Skyline. And in that game against Skyline, they won 7-5. A very low-scoring game. Nothing really to write home about. Losses that year all started when they played the Casa Grande Cougars, who beat them 55-0. They lost to the eventual Open 8 champion, Saguaro, 69-7. And the 5A state champion, Horizon, 68-12. Yeah, it was a definite tough season uh, for Maricopa, and it's been like that the uh, past few seasons. Uh, but like you said, uh, finished 2-8 uh, and eight last year. They have a new coach, uh, Tevin Rutherford, coming in uh, to uh, try to get the uh, Rams uh, moving in the right direction. But it's a team that's uh, going to be a little bit more experienced than last year. So, I mean, just based off of what they uh, have returning it could be a little bit more successful, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, so they're going to open up again against uh, Casa Grande. And like you just stated, they lost uh, 55 to zero. Um, we've uh, went over Casa Grande's uh, records before. Uh, we both picked uh, Casa Grande. Uh, I think uh, Maricopa is going to be a, a surprising in that game as a, I think they're going to put up a few points, uh, try to make things interesting, but but I don't know how much that's going to affect the results uh, against Casa Grande. 
Yeah, I agree. I have Casa Grande overthrowing the Maricopa Rams completely. Um, this year, they will be in another region. This is going to be their third region in three years. They're going to be in the 5A metro region. And it's going to be really tough for them to overcome all the tough teams in that region. And to start off their season with a team like Casa Grande, it's not going to do them any favors. Yeah, and after uh, visiting Casa Grande, they're going to have to go and visit Mesquite, uh, who's another big playoff team. Uh, it's going to be the first matchup between these two. But uh, yet again, I think the experience on Mesquite, uh, they're going to win that one uh, pretty decisively as well. Same. It's going to be a, a really tough start for the Rams. Now going into week three uh, with Skyline, you mentioned one of the scores from last year, 7-5 uh, to five in favor of Maricopa. I, I think Maricopa uh, picks up a win here again, you know, and getting moving into the right direction. I don't feel that Skyline brings anything tough to the table. They haven't for a few years. Uh, so I believe that uh, Maricopa is definitely going to handle uh, Skyline and actually make the victory a little bit more decisive. See, that's where I beg to differ. I, I don't have Maricopa taking this Skyline team this year. Now, last year, like I said, it was a really low-scoring game. I don't expect this year to be any type of fireworks show, but I see a future where Skyline ends up beating Maricopa and this ends up being one of the darkest season for the Rams. And see, the the reason I, I, I'll differ with that, uh, Skyline went 1-9 uh, last year. And they, like another uh, team that we uh, spoke about uh, that only put up 85 points, Skyline only put up 68 the whole season. And granted, uh, they did win uh, one game against uh, Tucson High, 48-31. Uh, to 31. So over the remaining nine games, they only scored 20 points. So 15 points if you take out the game that they played against Maricopa because they scored only five. Yeah, and so what, what does that average out to? couple points a game that's not even a field goal a game exactly so that's why i'm going to give the edge to maricopa and i think that this time they're actually going to make it a little bit more decisive so moving into a uh, week four they're going to be taking on sunrise mountain this is going to be the first game i believe in their uh region matchups uh because they're all in the same region mm -hmm. uh so um a little bit about uh sunrise mountain another playoff team uh, they ended up finishing uh, seven and five, and uh, four and one in the five eight uh, desert w uh, west. They picked up a couple big wins against uh, Cienega and Mesquite. So, um, with that being said, I'm gonna give the edge to uh, Sunrise Mountain as they're uh, gonna be another tough opponent uh, for Maricopa. I messed up, you see, because I might have gotten Sunrise and Skyline flip flop. Because now that you said that, I'm like, why? In the bluest of blue hells would I have given Maricopa the edge over Sunrise Mountain. So do you want to switch your picks then? You want to say uh, Skyline is going to lose and, and Maricopa is going to win that one. And then uh, you think that uh, Maricopa is going to lose to uh, Sunrise, right? Yes. Okay. Well, we'll go with that one. I'll lock that one in. I'll, I'll blame it on Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, you know, I, I think, you know, Maricopa, as I've stated before, there's going to be some games where it's going to be very tough uh, for them. Uh, I think one of the games that is going to be uh, very interesting is uh, against Combs. Uh, we spoke on that one. Uh, we're going to give uh, Combs the edge on that. Uh, but then they uh, will play uh, McClintock at McClintock. And it's very strange because I know you're hearing me say, you know, at, at, at. Uh, well, Maricopa is one of the teams that only has four home games this year. Uh, so they, they've been traveling a lot. Uh, so with McClintock, um, they have not played uh, since 2019. Uh, but Maricopa is 5-0 uh, and o against them. And I am actually going to give that edge to them as well. Uh, and I got them beating uh, McClintock. And McClintock finished 3-6 uh, and six on the year. So what is your take? I think it's going to be a very good game. It'll be a very good game, but I have the Chargers edging out the Rams on this one. I feel like it's going to be a really rough end of the year for the Maricopa Rams. Like I said, this is going to be one of their darkest seasons in a while. And losing to a team that they're ultimately have an all-time winning record against that you know in the bag, that's going to ultimately set you off to be like, yeah, th this was a tough year. They lost to McClintock. They haven't lost to McClintock in X amount of years. Or yeah. never. Yeah, never. They, they never have. And But, you know, uh, it, it's these two games, though, against Combs and McClintock that uh, it, it's a toss-up. You know, it could land either way. And but like you said, uh, their their next uh, few opponents are 
are very tough and you know it's gonna start coming into those conference games where we're gonna see uh what uh maricopa is really you know made of i i think if you know they could somehow sneak out these wins against combs and uh mcclintock i think it might give them a little bit of boost to uh do something at the end of the season but uh their next uh matchup will be uh at home against uh camelback and uh they played uh last season with Camelback winning 27 to 17. Camelback is a team that finished 7 and 3 and uh 4 and 1 in the 5A Metro. So um I think that they were also a playoff team if I'm not mistaken. Uh so I think that they uh they handle uh Maricopa pretty easily um and I got them uh taking the win there. Same. I uh, you're not going to hear anything other than uh losses from me on Maricopa from here on out. So going in uh, to uh, week eight, uh, they'll be taking on uh, Central. Uh, Central finished uh, five and four. Uh, it's going to be the first matchup uh, between these two since 2019, uh, which uh, Maricopa is actually 2-0 and against them. So, uh, But unfortunately, I'm going to give the edge to uh, Central. I think that they beat some teams that uh, they should have beat. And, you know, I think that uh, one of those teams uh, this year will be Maricopa. So I think Central pulls it out. And also remember, they also beat uh, Sierra Linda 30 to 16. So what's your prediction on that? I have Central taking this one. Uh, like you said, they, they beat them twice before in their history. But this isn't something where I see the success for the Rams continuing. Um, based off of my past picks and what I said earlier, this is an L. Okay, moving into uh, week nine, they're going to be uh, traveling to Fairfax. Um, Fairfax finished uh, one and eight. Uh, we spoke about them uh, in our previous episode, I believe. Uh, with Cass Grand. With, oh, with Cass Grand. That's correct. That's correct. And so um, I don't think Fairfax is that great of a team. Finished 0 and 4 in the uh, 5A uh, Desert uh, West. It's going to be uh, the first uh, matchup between uh, these two teams. But I'm actually going to give the advantage to Maricopa. I think that uh, Maricopa plays better competition than Fairfax. And I think that only being able to beat Australia Foothills says a lot about their team. So I'm going to give that uh, edge to uh, Maricopa. And I think that will give them their third win of the season. Because they haven't played Fairfax, and even though they have played a little bit tougher competition, I don't think that that would give them any type of advantage at all. So I say win goes to Fairfax. And to wrap up their season, uh, Maricopa will host uh, South Mountain, who finished two and eight on the year. Um, I'm actually gonna say that Maricopa picks up another win. Uh, I don't, and and again, uh, the reason being is that South Mountain uh, beat Fairfax nineteen to six. I think they could, if they were that good of a team, they would have dominated them and barely pulled out a four uh, point uh, win against uh, Tucson High. But everything else, you know, they're they're another team that doesn't put up a lot of points. So I see uh, Maricopa uh, winning these last two games and coming away uh, with four wins on the season. See, that's where we're totally different. I have Maricopa struggling horribly. They will go one and nine this year in their new 5A metro region. They're going to be one of the games that when opponents see that name on their schedule, they're going to take them lightly. But that's something that Maricopa needs to take advantage of. Here are a list of games that I see as their must wins. They need to beat Skyline. They need to beat Central. And they need to, be, they need to beat Sunrise Mountain. And see, I, I think that before they even can beat Central, that they need to beat McClintock and Fairfax. Those are two teams that only combined had three wins last year. And so, you know, if they're going to want to uh, trend in the right direction, those are two added games that they must win in order to prove that they're not in that lower tier anymore, that they're starting to uh, rise uh, to the next level. Who do you think is going to be a tougher game between Maricopa and Combs or Maricopa and McClintock? Who's going to be the tougher opponent? Yeah. Uh, definitely Combs, without a doubt. Uh, I think that... Even though McClintock is a five or six a team, I think that Combs has proven that you know they can compete a little bit more uh, with uh, higher ranked teams and uh, things like that. But McClintock, uh, to me, hasn't really shown much. But you know, like I said, uh, to each his own. One and nine, I got him at 
uh, four and six. And, you know, it kind of it's going to be one of those uh, teams that since we're so uh, widespread off the board right now, like it, it's going to probably make or break uh, our, our bet uh, that we that we have uh, at the beginning of the season. So, 100%. you know, and we'll, and we'll talk about that one a little bit, too. Uh, but moving into our final team is going to be the Post and Butte Broncos with head coach uh, Dane Thompson. Uh, they're coming off uh, a loss against uh, Casa Grande in the 4A state championship. They are the last uh, 4A Black Canyon champions. And this will be the uh, sixth season uh, for Coach uh, Thompson, who's 33-20 and 20 in five years at Post and Butte. So, you know, a team to, uh, that has a lot to prove this year, especially being that a lot of teams left 4A. So what do you got on the Broncos? All right, going back to their COVID year. They went 6-2, and two, and they were undefeated in the 4A Black Canyon region. They had big wins against schools like Ben Franklin, who they beat 46-15, Apache Junction, 49-6, Combs, they beat 44-14, and their losses came against Peoria, 28-22, and St. Mary's beat them 14-7. Now let's go into last year. Last year, they finished up their season at 11-3 and, and won the Black Canyon region champion, like you mentioned. They beat St. Mary's 41-21. Eastmark 41 to 14 and Glendale in the playoffs 41 to 20. Now their losses came against teams like ALA Queen Creek, which was their first game of the season. They lost to Cactus 54 to 6 and of course Casa Grande in the state championship finals 33 to 28. And uh, Poston's going to be a team that, even though uh, I speak so highly of them, uh, they got a lot of big shoes to fill uh, for the seniors that they lost uh, uh, last year. And, uh, you know, I don't know uh, who who will be uh, the starting quarterback yet. Uh, We'll talk to uh, Coach Thompson about that. But, you know, uh, they they lost three senior running backs who were the big part of – of their core, you know, in their rushing attack. One of them actually uh, bring, uh, being uh, their quarterback, uh, Drew uh, Dalmasio. You know, uh, he was uh, second on his team in rushing as well as through for over a 1,000 yards. But uh, I, I have uh, big expectations uh, for the Broncos. And let's dive right into uh, their schedule. They're going to be opening, opening up against uh, Higley High School uh, week one. And Higley High School uh, finished 2-8 and eight last year. Um both teams haven't played since 2012, uh, but with, with Poston opening up against them, I'm going to give the edge to Poston Butte uh, just from the struggles of Higley last year. And I do know that they play, you know, in a very uh, tough region. And one of the biggest things, uh, let's not forget, is Higley is a 6A school. So it's a big jump, uh, you know, for the Broncos to uh, want to uh, take on a 6A school. But I think that uh, they maintain and uh, pull out the victory. I agree with you. I think that they will not dismantle Higley, but will make good work of them to show the AIA and everybody involved that, you know, they belong in that tough uh, round of competition that is 5A and 6A. And moving into uh, week two, they will take on Round Valley, who uh, finished 10-2 uh, and two last season, 3-1 and one in the 3A East. So, They'll uh, start off going up against a 6A team and then uh, playing a lower conference uh, team in uh, Round Valley. And uh, even though, you know, Round Valley is no slouch of a team uh, and that they uh, excelled uh, in the playoffs as well, I'm still going to give the uh, edge to uh, Post and Butte. The same. I Like you said, they're jumping down to play a team from 6A and to a team that's 3A. But that's no disrespect to Round Valley. Round Valley is one of those top-tier teams in 3A. But this will be a good challenge for Post and Butte to take on Round Valley and ultimately prove their dominance in this young season. Oh, without a doubt. But going into uh, Week 3, uh, they'll be playing uh, Micah Mountain. Uh, they had uh, their first season last year, uh, went 3-3. Three and three. Um, I'm still a little, you know, I, I know Micah Mountain's going to be a good team. Uh, will it happen this year? It possibly could. Uh, but I'm I'm still not sure yet. Um, their schedule uh, last year was pretty weird for me. Uh, you know, they pl- uh, started off with uh, Coolidge in 3A, uh, but then played uh, Douglas in 4A. But they played a couple of uh, uh, 5 and 6A teams, which I thought was really uh, surprising to kind of, you know, with COVID and everything, any team that uh, had a, a game drop, uh, they would try to fill in, which is pretty cool. So as far as how they will fare, against 4A competition, I still need to do a little bit more homework on them to kind of see where they're at. 
I believe it's going to be a good game, uh, but I'm going to give uh, the victory to Post and Butte. Same here. Post and Butte gets the victory, and and that's no disrespect to the Thunderbolts because as we saw last year, they have an amazing facility, um, and we believe that that amazing facility will translate into amazing players. And I, I agree with you as far as trying to collect a little bit more knowledge on them before we give them any type of edge, but it's that lack of knowledge is why we're giving the advantage to Post and Butte. And going into uh, week four, they're going to be taking on Coconino. Uh, first time uh, both teams will be playing each other. Um, Coconino, uh, as we've spoken about them uh, before, a uh, five and four team uh, went three and two uh, last year in the four uh, A Grand Canyon. Uh, they're they're a team that's uh, pretty pretty interesting though. You know they. Uh, the, even though they were around 500, uh, they did pick up uh, a victory uh, against uh, Lee Williams, who was a playoff team. Uh, but uh, I'm still going to give the edge to uh, Post and Butte. Like I said, I like the uh, teams that they're playing right out the gate because uh, some of them are very uh, competitive. Some of them can be competitive, even though their schedule doesn't say it. And I think that Coconino might be one of those teams, but I do uh, give the advantage to Post and Butte. Yeah, there's not going to be a whole lot of variance in our opinion on this one. Uh, I, I see Post and Butte not, you know, not having too much of a struggle with Coconino, but there will be a little bit of a transition to how they adapt when playing them. But this should be a game where Post and Butte ends up being the victor and Coconino kind of moves forward and looks back onto this as a learning curve. All right, moving into uh, week five, um, Post and Butte will visit St. Mary's. St. Mary's is a team that finished uh, eight and four last year. Uh, but these two teams uh, actually met up uh, last season and uh, Post and Butte actually won uh, 41 to 21. Mm hmm. And so uh, I believe that was in the playoffs, wasn't it? No, no, no. No, no, no. It was no. regular season. It was regular season. That's right, because Casa Grande knocked out uh, St. Mary's. Uh, but uh, so uh, with that being said, um, I mean, I love this game. It's a game that it's, uh, I think goes down to the wire, maybe a couple possessions. But I'm going to give the edge again uh, to Post and Butte. Um, I, I like just what they're doing, you know, uh, to open the season. And I think they ride that momentum. Now, St. Mary's, they got a good group of kids, all big, all talented. Nothing against them, but like you said, Post and Butte takes this one. Uh, I said I had two undefeated teams, and it should come to no surprise that this is my second. Okay, well, I guess I won't ask you what your uh, predictions are going forward, but well, it's kind no, of no, I, it's pretty, you know, you did, you say you had two, and, you know, it's turning out that way, so uh, being, uh, there won't be no surprises uh, coming from the, from you the rest of the way, but uh, I'm pretty sure the people in Maricopa were surprised when I was like, I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> but moving into uh, week six against Apache Junction, we spoke uh, about that uh, during the Apache Junction's uh, segment. Uh, we're giving the advantage to Post and Butte there. Uh, not saying that Apache Junction can't be competitive because they definitely can. Uh, but just uh, it, it's going to be a, a little bit of an edge uh, for Post and Butte. Uh, and then we get into uh, Benjamin Franklin. So uh, these two teams uh, played each other in 2020 uh, with uh, Post and Butte winning uh, 46 to 15. You guys know how I feel about uh, Benjamin Franklin. They're the 3A bullies because that's all I ever see them beat. And so, of course, I'm going to give uh, the advantage to uh, Post and Butte. Uh, and I like them, uh, you know, as they get into uh, some uh, conference matchups as well. Um, but moving into uh, week eight, they're going to take on Marcos Deniza. They haven't played uh, each other since uh, 2019. Actually, Marcos Deniza uh, beat them the last time they played 41 to 38. Uh, but I think that uh, changes uh, uh, this year, of course. Uh, Marcos Deniza is a team that's struggling. And I think uh, Post and Butte takes care of them decisively. And uh, we, we know uh, that you uh, think so as well. Uh, but this one, I, this one I want to hear your thoughts on, this next game right here in Week 9. Uh, they're going to be hosting a Snowflake. And we spoke of Snowflake earlier, uh, a team that won the 3A state title, moved up uh, in, into the 4A division, and now is going to go toe-to-toe with one of the top teams in 4A. What was your uh, deciding factor on why you took Post and Butte over Snowflake? My deciding factor was ultimately Snowflake's schedule. The teams that they're playing are tough, bro. They're going to beat them down. By the time the end of the season comes, 
they are not going to be 100% when they face Post and Butte. And not to say that Post and Butte will, you know, not have to face some injuries throughout the season. We'd let's hope not. But I think that ultimately the schedule that Snowflake plays and because they, they like you said, they were incoming champions. And as we, we've seen, incoming champions don't get any favors done for them. And this will be one of those trap games where I feel like they'll come in feeling that they'll have Post and Butte. But Post and Butte's going to come in and flip the script and ultimately take that game. What is it about Post and Butte that gives them the edge over Snowflake, though? Because I got Post and Butte winning uh, mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but what is it? Is it their offense or is it their defense that is going to be the X factor of this game? I'll say from talking to multiple Casa Grand players that it's their defense. Their defense is sticky. They they stay on you. They have a good, you know, feel of how, you know, how their uh, opponents are going to move. And they kind of stick with you. So that's what I see being their factor that carries on from last year to this year is their defense. They're not going to give them any breathing room. Okay, okay, because I, I I was going to sit there that that one I had circled, uh, you know, and highlighted up because I was like, you know what, I want to hear. Uh, once you told me that you had uh, Post and Butte going uh, undefeated, because this one, like like I said, was a toss up for me. As will the next one mm-hmm. be uh, as well. But uh, it was just like, man, can this is this three A team legit? Because they they've been legit for a long time in three A, you know. And we always speak so highly of uh, Snowflake. But like, uh, I just wanted to know uh, what was the deciding factor for you. So I respect that. And, you know, I, I agree with you that Post and Butte will have the edge, especially late in the season. Now we move into their final week against ALA Gilbert North. This will be another game that is going to be a first matchup between the two. Uh, ALA Gilbert North is another team coming up from 3A, um, has been very successful down in 3A. Uh, they ended up losing uh, 31 to uh 26 against uh, Yuma Catholic in the semifinals. So another big uh, powerhouse 3A team. We know what the results you're thinking of. Uh, for me, I'm in a, uh, the same way as with Snowflake. I think that Post and Butte has the edge, and it's just going to be based on Coach Thompson has been very consistent when it comes to his team's success. And I think that it's going to come down to uh, coaching ultimately with two powerhouses like that it's who makes the least amount of mistakes and you know who can put the ball in the end zone as we see you know some of these games can end three zero or seven to five like maricopa and skyline but this is going to be a very very tight game but i do uh by the smallness of margins give the edge to uh post and butte but uh what was it about post and butte that you liked them over ALA Gilbert North. The reason I chose Post and Butte over ALA Gilbert North, it's just like you said, the consistency of their coaching. They they get better every year. One thing that you mentioned right at the top of the segment was Post and Butte has a winning record under this coach. They are winning they are one of the newer teams that actually have a winning record and have a lot to show for it. That will ultimately be the reason why they can push past a team in ALA Gilbert North, who had a really, really good season last year, but having a really, really good season last year doesn't necessarily translate into having a really good season this year. We learned that last year the hard way with Santa Cruz because of all the issues that they faced. Um, and But one thing is, is I don't see that type of issue happening to both uh, Post and Butte and Casa Grande. One being with Casa Grande, who's you know moving up and you know into a tougher division, and with Post and Butte, they're they're staying in the uh, in the same conference, but moving into a really tougher co- competitive division or region. And I think that this will be the year that we end up seeing Post and Butte eventually moving into the five A conference because of how well they handled this year's schedule. Almost definitely, that's exactly what I was thinking, and why I uh, am so high on Post and Butte is the fact that they remained in the four A uh, division. And, you know, they they're definitely going to show that they're a powerhouse. And here in the next couple of years, when they do another realignment, I wouldn't be surprised if they get bumped up to 5A Mm -hmm. just because I think these next two years are going to be pretty tough to beat, you know. But, man, we finished nine teams, you know, uh, two episodes. It seems like each episode's getting longer and longer as we kind of talk about uh, these things. But, you know, I know we went over our time limit again, but. You know, it's just the fact of uh, how exciting these seasons are going to be for each team. And, you know, I'm there's so many games that are circled on our calendar as to like, man, I wonder what 
the records of both of these teams are going to be at this point in the season. And, you know, we, we hope to see a lot of you guys out there uh, at these games and, uh, you know, chime in, as we uh, said on Monday, you know, help us out, come out and uh, your, uh, on your social media platforms, vote for who you think is going to win. It's like I said, there's no right or wrong answers. It's just a guess. It's uh, our predictions as to why, but let's do a little recap of the teams we had today. Uh, Combs, we predicted, I predicted, uh, them going five and five. You had them at, I had the Combs Coyotes going at five and five this year. And, uh, Coolidge, I had them going at eight and two. Of course, uh, one of your undefeated teams going 10 and oh, yes, sir. Uh, the Florence Gophers, I had them going, uh, six and four with you, uh, having them go seven and three, mm-hmm. you know, another close one, uh, that we're going to keep our eye on. Uh, the biggest uh, difference we had uh, so far up to this point, I had uh, the Maricopa Rams going four and six while you had them going one and nine. And uh, lastly, uh, post and Butte, we both agree that we believe that they will be undefeated and hopefully one of the top teams in uh, 4A. And with nine teams down, that means there's only four more to go. Uh, so we're actually going to be back again on Friday. Uh, to sit down and do another episode. So we hope you guys uh, enjoyed uh, part two of the win and loss projection. And please, uh, you know, go out there and uh, listen to these episodes. Help us share this content. And uh, we'll see you guys on Friday for part three. Take it easy.